With the enforcement deadline of September 23rd approaching for HIPAA Omnibus, covered entities and business associates of all sizes are scrambling. But some of the most challenged healthcare providers and business associates struggling in their compliance efforts are smaller organizations with more limited resources. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Marjorie Satinsky, President of Satinsky Consulting, LLC, in Durham, North Carolina, which provides business consulting services to small medical practices and clinics. Margie will discuss the challenges that she sees smaller organizations having with their HIPAA omnibus compliance efforts. Hi, Margie. Hi, Marianne. It's great to talk to you again. We spoke uh, several months ago when most of my uh, clients were just beginning their HIPAA compliance efforts. So now as we approach the September 23rd deadline, uh, people are uh, behaving differently than they were a couple of months ago. Being that you work with so many smaller medical practices, how would you say they're doing with their HIPAA omnibus compliance efforts, and what trouble are they having? Well, I would say that the smaller practices are either jumping into the compliance and putting in the time and effort that it takes, or they're dragging their feet and panicking. So it's really at two extremes. I haven't found anybody in the middle just yet at all. I've worked with practices that are very serious about the compliance and know that it's a really a a two-way street. I can't hand them uh, an off-the-shelf product and say, here, this is for you. It fits every practice. It really requires a lot of back-and-forth effort between my suggestions and a particular uh, practice, and some are doing it. Others, however, um, have not started. They know the date is coming soon, and they are simply in panic mode. What are the biggest mistakes that you see covered entities making in their omnibus compliance efforts? I think that one of the biggest mistakes is that HIPAA really has changed significantly since the law was passed in the in 2002 for privacy and a little bit later than that for security. And uh, people do not understand that there have been changes, and more important than that, they're trying to save a dime. So if they're faced with some choices about whether to cut and paste a business associate agreement or a notice of privacy practices, If they can cut and paste for less money, they don't particularly want to get involved in doing what's really necessary to become compliant. That bothers me tremendously. I can only give advice. I can't force anybody to take it, but I think they're making a very serious mistake by uh, just putting on a Band-Aid on something that really requires a larger dressing, so to speak. When it comes to them trying to put a Band-Aid on the problem, where are they putting the Band-Aid? Let me give you an example. The concept of notice of a breach. If somebody has made a mistake and and there has been a disclosure of PHI, protected health information, the concept is completely different from what it was at the beginning and in 2009 when that uh, concept of a breach was first introduced. People don't understand that at all. And so if they're simply changing the wording in a notice of privacy practices or a business associate agreement without delving into what those changes mean for notice of a breach, they're not getting it. They're completely missing the point. And I think that they're putting themselves in a very vulnerable position. So that's just one uh, example of ignoring what's really important there and just trying to do what's efficient and fast 
and the least intrusive into somebody's daily work schedule. So what steps should they be taking to correct these missteps that they're already making? Well, I always suggest that people start with two risk analyses, one for each rule. A risk analysis is a list of questions, and you go through it and answer the questions, and the answers will tell you where you are with respect to the requirements for compliance. And some people can go through and and see that they're they're doing quite a bit, even though they have some more more to do, and other people go through and they haven't done anything at all. So the risk assessment is a way of, of finding a base from which to operate. Once you know where you are, you know what you have to do, and you can take it from there for both of the rules and make a list of action items, assign responsibility, uh, put some timelines with it, and measure the results. But if you don't organize yourself with either rule, it's very hard to go forward. You asked me in a previous question what mistakes people are making. I think they're disorganized about the whole thing. And that's the Band-Aid approach as well. They're not looking at the whole body. They're just looking at the tiny little abrasion here without looking at the whole picture. Many smaller practices have limited money, limited people resources to address their compliance issues. What's your advice to them? Where should they be focusing their limited resources at this point? That's a really good question because resources to most people means money. It also means time. And so in a small practice, in most cases, you find that the office manager or the practice manager, whichever it is, is either the privacy official and or the security official. And they don't have a lot of time to work on projects of this type of magnitude. So my suggestion to them is that they take advantage of two external resources. Most of them have an outside IT support company. And that company or the individual that they have hired to help them can really be of great value with respect to security. So everybody with whom I work, the first thing I say about the security rule is get your IT person involved because he or she may have an easy solution to some of these things, and, and it may be more technical than, than, you know, you have the ability to really understand. So the help is there. Use that person. Um, the second thing is to hire somebody for to help you organize the workload of what has to be done. Now, I'm not looking to put work in my pocket right, right now. I'm somewhat over, overwhelmed with the number of people who need HIPAA help, but a consultant who understands the big picture and has all the work and the solutions or the, the sample solutions organized can be of great value. That way there's less time that an individual office manager or practice manager has to send, spend on structuring the type of response that they're going to make to the compliance requirements. So two resources outside, a general consultant and for security, absolutely an IT support consultant. What are you seeing in terms of HIPAA omnibus compliance efforts from business associates, especially the smaller vendors? Do they understand what they need to do by September 23rd? I'm so glad you asked this question because I'm seeing something with business associates that is very different from what I'm seeing with small practices. Small practices are covered entities. They understand that they're covered entities. And even though they may not have gotten around to HIPAA compliance, they know they have to do it. And they're not having the same kind of philosophical issue that I'm seeing amongst some of these business associates. Many of the business associates with which I work are small startup companies. 
and in terms of their political thinking, which really has no place in HIPAA compliance, they're anti-government. And so they can't quite get over the fact that this is a law. This isn't a rule. This isn't a maybe. This is a must. And if you don't comply, there are serious repercussions, or there can be serious repercussions. So they're spending a lot of energy. I think they're wasting their energy telling me all the reasons why they don't believe they, that the government should be involved in something like this, when the truth of the matter is they should be spending their time on compliance. I've had this come up about three or four times with small companies. And my answer to them is, is always the same. I, I will say to them, if you have a political opinion, go to the polls and vote, but just do this compliance because there's a lot at stake here. In terms of what's at stake, the business associates are now certainly responsible for complying with security. That wasn't true along the way here, but now they are liable if they don't meet security requirements and uh, the pen penalties are significant. Uh, the other issue here is simply a marketing issue. Many of these small companies provide services to covered entities like medical practices or large hospital systems or insurance companies. And the covered entities are saying to the business associates, we need you to comply with HIPAA. So they're jeopardizing potential business by not being HIPAA compliant. And that's really what's driving them, to tell you the truth. Uh, most of the ones who have come to me have said the covered entity that is with whom I'm working or with which I'm working wants me to be compliant and I need to get my act together and do it. So that's what's driving most of the small business associates that I'm working with. Now, a common source for many health data breaches in the past and even now has been lost or stolen unencrypted computing devices. Since the Department of Health and Human Services is promising to ramp up HIPAA enforcement, what is your best advice for the easiest and most secure way that smaller organizations can make sure that their mobile devices are protected? That's a great question, Marianne. And actually what I did was consult with the uh, founder of an IT support company called The On Button. The founder's name is Neil Berman, and he also is here in uh, Durham, North Carolina. So here are some of the suggestions that he made, and they really confirm the, the advice that I have been giving to clients. Uh, first of all, in many of these small companies, the company doesn't own the devices the handheld devices or the, or the laptops. They really encourage uh, bring your own devices or BYOD. And the devices may have different capabilities. For example, encryption. Some may be able to encrypt and some may, may not be able to encrypt. It's preferable that workforce members use a company-owned device with that ability for encryption. If that doesn't happen, however, there need to be company rules about security and virus, up-to-date virus protection, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that's a, a very common issue. If you're using a device, be it personal or a, a device that's owned by your company, don't lend it to family and friends. That way you can often get yourself uh, into trouble. Uh, another very common problem here is people taking devices to a very public place, Starbucks or some other place that has uh, an open Wi-Fi where you don't need to use a password to sign in, uh, that's a risky situation and that's not advisable given the HIPAA requirements. Um, another suggestion is to recycle any computers 
that you're not using, but make sure to wipe the hard drive first. So you don't want to just throw throw something in the trash, leaving all this private and data on it that should be either wiped or in some other way taken off. And then I probably should have said this first, is that with all of these devices, these handheld devices, access should be with usernames and passwords. I know it's a pain in the neck. Most people don't like to do it. But when, when there is secure information either residing on a device or available on a device, there really need to be security protections taken. And finally, I'll say something about the cloud, because I think certainly my business associate clients have a misperception about the cloud. I've been told 101 times that if somebody uses cloud computing and there's no server in the location where they're working, that everything is just fine. Everything is secure, and there's no need to do anything else. And that is not exactly how it works. If the information is residing in the cloud and I'm working on it on my computer, be it a laptop or a handheld device, there's an opportunity for corruption right there. For example, I'm sitting right here in my office. Everything I have in my business is on the cloud. I don't have a server here at all. But supposing somebody comes in here and does something to the data that's sitting up here on my screen. Well, fine, now I have corrupted data that goes back and sits in the cloud. So there is a great misperception about the cloud simply relieving people of the responsibility to comply with HIPAA. Finally, any last tips for smaller organizations to ensure that they're compliant with HIPAA Omnibus by September 23rd? Yes, I do have a couple of suggestions. Number one, of course, is take it seriously. This is uh, nothing to laugh about and nothing to uh, do in a half-hearted way. It really needs to be taken seriously. As I said before, it's a law. It's not a a rule. Start immediately would be another uh, suggestion. Use a risk analysis and begin with what's in place and take it from there. So you might find, as a covered entity or business associate, that you do have a lot in place. And all you need to do is make some changes or corrections or enhancements. But if you don't, start with a look at the whole thing. You don't really know where you are. Another suggestion, as I mentioned, is to definitely involve outside uh, IT support. Uh, Those people are just terrific with respect to security. And, in fact, I've been told many times that the requirements of the security rule are not very different from the requirements for running a sound business. So, Security rule is nothing new and unusual. It just happens to have an association with health information. The same concept applied to any kind of private information, your financial information, you know, something with respect to banking, et cetera, et cetera. And I would certainly make a, a plea for, for people to seek outside help if they need it. The responsibility can be shared, as I've said before, if, if a practice is willing to do a great deal of the work, you know, that means that you by less help on the outside, you have some guidance, but you do most of the work. And I have some couple of clients here in North Carolina that have done an absolutely fabulous job uh, with my guidance. They're doing the work. I'm directing them, but they are doing the work, and they will be in great shape prior to September 23rd. And then the very last thing is attitude counts for a lot. Attitude counts for uh, the way in which you accomplish what needs to be accomplished. It also counts for the receptivity that anybody's workforce is going to have to training about HIPAA. If 
you stand up there and you say the government passed this law and it's really a pain in the neck and we've had to spend so much time doing it and uh, I wish that it weren't there, then staff is going to react just like that. But if you stand up and say this is the law and we want to, we want to do everything we can to be compliant and here's what we're going to do, you're going to get a completely different reaction from the workforce. So I think that that's very important. Attitude counts and make it positive. Thanks, Margie. I've been speaking to consultant Margie Satinsky. I'm Marianne Kolbasek-McGee for Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.